Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. Over the last few weeks, we've been thinking together about our rule of life. Uh, We had chosen this passage and this walk to Emmaus uh, that these two, this experience that these two friends of Jesus have after his resurrection, long before the events of this past week. And I think there was a kindness that Holy Spirit extended to us in doing that. As I mentioned earlier, my initial response and reaction this week was, should we move Christ to King Sunday? Do we move Rule of Life Sunday? And of course, the answer was no. Because as I said, if Christ as King has nothing to say about our actual lived experience in this world, then I have no interest in worshiping a king like that. And if our rule of life only gives us a trellis for when life is easy and without pain, I have no interest in affirming it and I'll be the first to rip it up. Over these last few weeks, I've invited us to think about our rule of life as a pilgrimage. It's the reason why a few of us are wearing uh, shell necklaces and why there's an entire table in our lobby full of shell necklaces and uh, shell bracelets and things for you to take with you today. It's the traditional image for pilgrimage. And it's how we've been thinking about this rule of life, in part because I think the, um, the image of a pilgrimage is the best way to imagine our entire life with God on this side of both gardens, the old one and the new one to come. Because a pilgrimage is a journey that has to be undertaken with a humble heart and with an openness to be changed. Sometimes we set out on pilgrimage, but most often, like even Jesus' friends in the story this morning, we find ourselves on one. And a pilgrimage isn't trying to get somewhere as fast as possible. It's not the HOV lane. It's not a quick shortcut. That's why a pilgrimage is not a a march or a walkabout or a journey. There's a slowness required. A slowness and an unhurriedness is required, which is what is one of the more difficult parts of a pilgrimage. There's no rushing. There's no, can we just speed this along? People don't change that way. I don't change that way. You don't change that way. There's no rush to get where we are going. Why? Because a pilgrim and a pilgrimage is about becoming a different kind of person. The pilgrim sets out on pilgrimage because they want to become a specific kind of person along the way. And so there's a willingness to linger and to reflect and to slow down. But when you slow down, you become more aware of the pain. When you slow down, you become more aware of the difficulty and the suffering, which is why I and so many of you live our lives with such speed. And so the invitation of our rule of life is to slow down, to pay attention to our lives, to God, to the lives of God's friends, to this place where God has planted us. And to little by little begin to intentionally rearrange our lives for God and for God's friends. Beloved, what I would offer to you this morning is that our rule of life does not dismiss pain and suffering. 
and our rule of life does not dismiss hope. And those are the two great extreme traditions in a moment like this. Temptations, not traditions. Although it feels like a tradition at times. That in a moment of great pain and suffering, there are some of us who, in seeking to dismiss the pain and suffering, either just don't pay attention to it, or if we're a follower of Jesus, try to spiritualize it. Well, God's in control. God's here. Just relax. There's no need to be sorry. Resurrection's coming. I don't see Jesus as the God who is resurrected and resurrecting, doing that a lot, if in fact, at all. We rush to dismiss pain and suffering, but we can also rush to dismiss hope. That Christ the King has nothing to say to our pain. That Christ has nothing to say to death. That Christ has nothing to say to tragedy and to those who grieve. Our rule of life does not dismiss pain and suffering and it does not dismiss hope. Why? Because Jesus does not. Even on this road to Emmaus, he does not dismiss their pain, he does not dismiss their confusion, and he does not dismiss hope. He stays with them, and he stays with them all the way to the table. And this is the Jesus way we hope to walk, even in moments like this. Because this is the kind of king we celebrate. This is the king we serve. This is the king in whom we live and move and have our very being. The one of whom Isaiah describes as a king of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Not aware that grief exists. Acquainted with it. Experienced it in his body. A king who in John 11 weeps for his friends. A king who in Luke 19 weeps for a city he loves. A king who, as we heard this morning in Hebrews 5, weeps on his own pilgrimage as the incarnate God, fully God, fully human. And in this walk to Emmaus, a king who draws near to those with questions and whose answer is his presence and the revealing of his presence in the stories of old and in the moments here and now. If you've been paying attention over the last few months, the opening line to our Eucharist liturgy has been this, at Emmaus, when our risen Lord, quote, was at a table with those who walked with him. He took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him in the same way now, he invites all who choose to trust him to share in the broken bread, unquote. Beloved, the, uh, the tables that we are called to live between are the table behind me in front of you and all the tables we sit around throughout the weeks. How many tables do you think the story of Emmaus was recounted around? that they would go and say, the stranger who walked with us, it wasn't until he broke bread that we were able to look back and see our burning hearts and the one who was with us. A few weeks ago during All Saints Sunday, I shared the story of Julian of Norwich, which I brought up a number of different times. I think if we were to pick a patron saint 
uh, for our rule of life, I would vote her. Julian spent the majority of her life after the vision she received from God, as many of you know, living in this very small room that she got permission from the church to live in that was attached to the side of the church building. And there were only two windows in this room. One window uh, was facing out toward the world. Women and men and children would stop by to seek out her wisdom, her counsel, just a reminder that God was present with them in the midst of immense loss as their neighbors, their family themselves suffered from sickness and death and loss at the hands of the plague. But the other window that was in her room faced the Eucharist table. And so what she extended, what she gave to every soul that came by was the same grace and strength and love and mercy she received daily from that table. She gave away what she received, which is why even in our hopes to be the people, not just of God's hospitality, restoration, and shalom, but to be a people who our posture is toward this Eucharist table, which is a posture toward the very presence of God with us, that we might receive the very things God has invited us in cooperation with him to give away. To receive and give away God's hospitality. To receive and give away God's restoration. To receive and give away God's shalom. And beloved, there are pockets of our city, of our county, that every single day you are to go in, that we go into, that are in desperate need to receive what we have received. And it's weeks like this that just really highlight the need and the pain and the grief. We have a king who invites us into a life of receiving and give away, giving away God's very life. In some ways, it's fitting to affirm a rule of life on a week like this week. Because it's a reminder of the reality of the world we live in, And it's a reminder, as we sang this morning, that our only refuge is God. Our only refuge is God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.